Scripture this morning is from 1 Corinthians 10, verses 14 through 24 and 31. Therefore, my dear friends, flee from idolatry. I speak to sensible people. Judge for yourselves what I say. Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? And is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one loaf. Consider the people of Israel. Do not those who eat the sacrifices participate in the altar? Do I mean then that a sacrifice offered to an idol is anything, or that an idol is anything? No, but the sacrifices of pagans are offered to demons, not to God, and I do not want you to be participants with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons too. You cannot have a part in both the Lord's table and the table of demons. Are we trying to arouse the Lord's jealousy? Are we stronger than he? Everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible, but not everything is constructive. Nobody should seek his own good, but the good of others. So, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God.
scriptures remind us in chapter 9 of 1 Corinthians, verse 24. Do you not know that in a race, all runners run, but only one gets the prize? And so run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training, and they do it to get a crown that will not last but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. So let me share with you what uh, Corinthians 10 says. Verse 13. No test has seized you except that which is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, when you are tested, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. You see, he will raise you up. He will lift you up. And that's the Father's love for us, just like you saw in this video. I loved one of the things in this video that really hit me was the father's running out on the track and people are trying to stop him. You don't get in the way of a father's love. And that's true of our Heavenly Father. Remember what scriptures say? Nothing separates us from the love of the Father. Height nor depth, angels nor demons. Nothing will separate us from the Father and his radical love for you and me. He will lift us up. We're running this race together, and we've been learning that in Corinthians. Running a race in such a way as to win the prize, to glorify God the Father, to have a life lived out for Him. 
We're not to run in a way that, that runs away from the world. We're also not to run in a way that, that runs right into the middle of all that the world is doing and offering to us, pretending that we're fine running the race with the rest of the world. But as we've been studying in Corinthians, especially 8 through chapter 10, the picture is that we're running the race in a way that is loving one another. And the way that we're loving each other is that we're surrendering our rights, our freedoms. We're surrendering and giving up a demanding spirit. We're running in such a way that that is surrendering and getting rid of our pride so that we might impact others with the love of Christ. You see, we have the liberty to love. And that's what Paul has been trying to to drive at home for us. The liberty to love each other in such a way that we have impact. You know, one of the things I want you to think about, and, and maybe at lunch today you can just dialogue about this, but ask yourself the question and, and, and maybe share with uh, some of your friends today. The question being, what is God doing in my life to where I'm having impact on those around me? How do I see the Lord using my life to actually impact others with the love of God? Or, what does it look like that I desire that God would use my life so that I could impact a certain friend or community. I want you to have those discussions because we're running the race in such a way as to win the prize and the fact is the life of Christ is living through us. We should be impacting this world with the love of God so that they see the love of the Father. That He is glorified in our lives. And so ask yourself that question and and have a dialogue about that. Because our race is empowered by the life of Christ in us. And God is glorified as we live unto him. And in this race, and as we finish up chapter 10, we're going to be thinking about running a race in such a way, verse 23 of chapter 10, that no one seeks his own good, but that of his neighbor. Because love builds up. Love lifts up. And so for all of us, the question is, how do we we run this race? How do we live a life that we are intentionally loving others and we're glorifying God at the same time? And so verse 14 says, Therefore... Flee idols. Flee from idols. And one of the things is you learn to be a good Bible student. When you see therefore, you say, what's the therefore, therefore? That's what you ask. And it's speaking about some of the verses right before. How do we live in love? How do we glorify God? Therefore, because no temptation or test is too much for us, Because God has provided a way out. Because He will lift you up and He will help you stand up under it. Because you're a follower of Jesus Christ. 
and the life of Christ lives through you. Because you have access to the power of the resurrection, therefore, you can flee from the draw of idols and get away from that. One of the verses, one of the words he uses, Paul uses in this verse 14, the NIV says, friends, my friends flee from idols. I don't think it's a good translation. It's actually beloved. Beloved, flee from idols. Flee from things that capture your heart other than God. And this is what I love about Paul's heart to the Corinthians, and and it really is God's heart for us is he uses that word, beloved. If there's anything that you need to know, period, about you and God, is that you're beloved. That's his heart for you. Paul's saying that to a church that's absolutely a mess. They, they are so confused about how to live out this Christian life and they're struggling with all of these things and their unity is disrupted and they're, they're struggling with being drawn back into worshiping idols and, and living the pagan life that they used to live. That's the mess. And guess what, gang? We're, we're right there. We're pretty messy. And so hear from the Lord this morning, right in the middle of our mess, that you're beloved. But also... Envision like we watched in the video. The Heavenly Father, in all of his love for you, saying, let me lift you up to give you life, to help you finish this race. Because I know you want to run it in such a way as to win the prize. And so I want to help you get there. Because you're my beloved. Idols take you away from that goal of finishing this race, of running for the Lord. For the Corinthian church, their, their idol was their spiritual freedom, so pride and their knowledge, which was so important to them. Yet in their, in their pride, they were stumbling young believers. They, they were confused about how they were living life. They didn't get it. How can you eat meat sacrificed to idols? That doesn't seem to fit with what God has for us. There was what was going on in the community is there was a, the history in, in, the, in the community was there was all this pagan worship that was going on at the temple. And there was a thousand temple prostitutes and, and so the draw was to go and to have worship at the temple and, and hook up with a prostitute. That's how they would worship. And the temple square and everything about it, it was Vegas. It was Viva Las Vegas. It was all the nightlife, everything going on. It was the most exciting place in town. Best food, open air restaurants, great music, the seductive pleasures of wine and women. That's what's going on in the temple area. And the Lord knows that that draw to that and thinking that somehow that's going to bring you life, that's just death. And to flee from that. You know, you and I have been to Las Vegas, and you know what? I love Vegas at nighttime. I love the lights. I'm like, I'm like, I'm just drawn into the lights. They're pretty. But you ever walk around Vegas first thing in the morning? 
It's death. It's absolute death. Somehow there's a thinking that the way I live my life here will bring me life. Going after all these lights. And I'm going to gamble my money away and I'm going to hook up with temple prostitutes. And you wake up in the morning and you are dead. God says, I don't want you to move in that direction, that lure back into that mentality of thinking that idols provide life for you. And he understands that because they came out of that culture that they might be tempted in such a way that they find themselves lured back into that position and into really into the culture of the, of the temple. Everything, all the belief systems again. And he's, and he's guarding against that. <laughs> Idolatry is this. It's anything that occurs whenever anything or anyone becomes more important to us than the living, loving God in our lives. It's reducing God to something that we can use or control. And so Paul is guarding against that and warning them. I understand the draw. You know, we are fish upstream, aren't we? We are fish upstream. We're going against a culture that rages against everything of God, everything that's good and everything that's life-bearing. And so Paul understands that. God understands that. And so he guides us along the way to say, listen, be careful in this area of idol worship, falling back in the mentality of the temple. That's not where you find life. That's not where you find love. Don't let these things control you. Don't be captured by the atmosphere. Get away from that. And be drawn back to God. We flee from that mentality and from that draw because when we are placed back in there, we lose that relationship with our first love. And we want to follow Christ. We love Christ. And we want to live for Him, don't you? And He knows that. But He knows like the Corinthian church, and He knows like for us, Sometimes we pull a hamstring along the way. And he needs to lift us up to finish the race. The other beautiful image of that video is that he runs that race with us. He doesn't say, run the race in such a way as to win the prize, and then say, good luck. Hope you make it. That's our love of our Heavenly Father, right there with us. So flee from idolatry. The only way you can do that is in the power of Christ. We don't want you to lose your first love. And also, flee from idolatry because I want you to remember exactly who you are. Dear saints, as followers of Jesus Christ, you are children of God. Don't lose your identity as you run this race. Because we're meant to be light in this dark world. That's part of running this race, that our light permeates a dark world, and as our light permeates a dark world, God is glorified. You don't think the Father was glorified that day at the Olympics? 
became very clear the love of the Father that day. See, God wants our lives to glorify Him. And part of the way we do, about, do that and the way we flee from idols is we remember who we are and in the power of Christ that we can get away from that. All those other things that draw us, our heart. You know, one of the things, one of the things I ask myself fairly often, and, and maybe you ask the same question, I ask myself, Rod Ritchie, as I look himself in the mirror, Rod Ritchie, are you any different than all those you come in contact with in this world? Are you any different? Do you ask yourself that as you walk into your place of business? Do people know there's something different about me? Not that I'm proselytizing at work, but in my life and the way I'm caring for others, do people know that I'm different? Are people drawn to the light of Christ in you? I think so often, because we're afraid and because we don't want to stir the waters and because we, we kind of want to be fitting in and we want to be liked, that's a normal thing, but we end up becoming camouflage Christians. And we just, we just blend right in. Paul's saying, run the race in such a way as to win the prize. And the way we do that is by glorifying God with our lives. And the way we do that is by loving others, surrendering our rights, our freedoms. You're different. And he's speaking to that. He says this in verses 14 to 18. He's saying, listen, he has a concept of communion here. We take the, the cup. It's the participation in the blood of Christ. We take the bread. It's the participation in the, the body of Christ. Verse 18, consider the people of Israel. Do not those who eat the sacrifices participate in the altar? And here's what he's saying. When we come together as a body of Christ and we enter into communion, we are, we are receiving and we are identifying ourselves very clearly as followers of Christ. When the Israelites would offer sacrifice on the altar, it was very clear this was for the forgiveness of sins. This is a people of God. And that's what he's speaking to. You see, there, it was very clear who you worshipped. It wasn't lost in translation. And so when you're, when you're drawing back into idol worship, drawing back into that, that mentality of the temple, that gets confusing. You are a follower of Jesus Christ. Let your life glorify God. He's saying there's a contrast here. We are, we are people who have been paid for. Our, our, our life is no longer our own. We are bought with a price. But verses 20 through 22 speak to what's happening, what's clear about the pagan worship that's going on in the temple. I wanted to read out of Eugene Peterson's The Message. I like the way he puts it. He says, Do you see the difference? Sacrifices offered to idols are offered to nothing. For what's an idol but nothing? Or worse than nothing? It's a minus, a demon, actually. 
I don't want you to be part of something that reduces you to less than yourself. You can't have it both ways. Banqueting with the master one day, slumming it with the demons the next day. Besides, the master won't put up with that. He wants us all or nothing. Clearly, there are some things in this life that are mutually opposed. Worshiping of idols and taking of communion in the body of Christ are mutually opposed. You can't live both lifestyles and think you're just fine doing that. We're running the race in such a way as to win the prize. And the prize is the pleasure of the Father and the glory of God. Running in obedience to Him because He gives us life. It's, it's one of the problems for us as Christians. We, we want so much to be dedicated to Christ. We really do, and I know you do. And yet at the same time, you're falling into the trap of, of being drawn back into whatever form of idol worship that's going on in your heart, whatever, whatever is drawing your heart that says, oh, this is what brings me life. This is what brings me hope. He's saying you can't have both. You can't be throwing beads at Mardi Gras on Tuesday, getting, ending up blotto through alcohol, and, and then show up to church on Wednesday with your sunglasses on because the lights are too bright, and you get your ash on your forehead and say, God, I'm for you. Here we go. That's not the life God intends for you. And so Paul is saying, empowered by the life of Christ, run with him and for him. Flee these things that draw your heart away. And you can do that. Again, he doesn't say run the race and good luck. He says, I'm running it with you. Idolatry takes us away from our first love. Idolatry, verse 22, provokes the jealousy of God. Shall we provoke the jealousy of God? Are we stronger than He? God is a jealous God. His love is so powerful for us that anything that is going to take away from our relationship with Him and that He's our source, He is going to step right in the middle of that. So you see, if we are so entwined and have our affection so entwined with things of idolatry, whether that be our power at our job, whether that be pursuits of of money, whatever we're so drawing after, God's going to strip that away because he's a jealous God. And if we're entwined like this, man, that hurts us. And then we end up blaming God But he's going, no, no, it's my love for you. You're falling off track in this race. And because God's a covenant partner, he won't break his promise. I am your God, and you are my people. I'm running this race with you, whether you like it or not. Because you're no longer your own, you're bought with a price, and because you're my child. I'm not going to leave my child with a limp on the track. 
Here we go. Let's run together. God's a jealous God. Are we stronger than he? I think what that's speaking to is it seems to be dealing with with their pride, their spiritual pride, their freedoms that they had in Christ. And basically what they're saying is, hey, I can handle it. I'm fine. I can have my feet in both arenas, and therefore I'm good to go. And, and the, the scriptures from verse 12 of last week that we looked at says, Therefore let him who thinks he stands firm take heed lest he fall. We've got to be so careful in thinking that, oh yeah, I can just be in the temple arena and, and live my life out there and be you know, participating in all these things that won't affect me. Take heed lest you fall. I was in McCall a couple of weeks ago, and I was helping out with junior high camp a little bit. and We ended up camp uh, late one night, and by the time we finally left camp, it was one in the morning. And if, you, if you've been to Quaker Hill, you know there's a little slope that comes off, off the hill and then turns on to Warren Wagon. And uh, a buddy of mine let me use his cabin, and it was literally just 50 yards. You, you, you come down the hill, 50 yards down the road is the turn to his cabin. It's one in the morning. I roll down the hill, I look to my left to see if there's any lights, there's no lights, so I just drive onto Warren Wagon and, and I'm heading 50 yards this way to make my turn. One in the morning. Woo! I get pulled over. I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. Officer shows up, you know, I'm rolling down the window and then he just waits. I hate when they do that to you. <laughs> Just waits. Finally, he shows up to the window. Do you know why I pulled you over, he says. And I honestly, I, I go, you know what, really, I don't. And he goes, uh, there was a stop sign at the bottom of uh, the Quaker Hill. hill. And uh, you didn't turn on your blinker to turn right, to take a right. Now, in my mind, I'm thinking, are you kidding me? <laughs> but he asked a question. He goes, is there any reason that you didn't stop? And I'm just like, you know, just late at night. It's one in the morning. I don't know if you noticed. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody around. I thought, I thought I was fine. You're not fine. You know, I praise God he didn't give me a ticket. I think they were looking for alcohol use and, and guarding that. But I thought I was totally cool. I thought life was great. I'm just going to head over to my cabin and go to bed. I wasn't fine. Spiritual pride. Things where we think we can handle both arenas. And we can just roll on through. We can't. It will do damage. Idolatry takes us away from our first love. It provokes jealousy of God because it's a beautiful love for us. And idolatry can become a stumbling block to our neighbors. And that's really, that's really the, the, the theme of, of verses eight, or chapters 8 through 10. We don't want to live in such a way that we're tripping up our brothers and sisters in Christ where they're confused about the love of God or who he is or how to have life in Christ. It affects their conscience before God. And so here's what he says. 
And I think this is the foundation verse of this chapter, really for all, all those chapters put together. All things are lawful. I do have freedom in Christ. Not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up or edify is the word. Let no one seek his own good, but seek the good of his neighbor, his brother and sister. You see, that's the foundation for the rest of life flowing out in the way that we love each other. Love builds up. And so you should always be asking that question. In my actions here, am I building up? Am I edifying my brother and sister? Or am I tearing them down in my spiritual pride? Am I causing them to to trip up? Am I not even being sensitive to where they're at spiritually? You know, a beautiful thing, I I came here Friday night to um, play a little basketball with my sons. And uh, we, we came into the church and... Man, one of, the most, one of the most beautiful pictures. All our men's ministry, just because of the love of Christ, gave up their Friday night where they could have been with their wives. And they decided to throw a beautiful Valentine's dinner for the widows of this church. So that the widows would know they're so valuable and loved and cared for. And widows, I hope you felt that, because that was the heartbeat. And I, I, just, I just peeked my eye. You know what's so cool? All the guys in the kitchen, what a great picture that was. I hope we captured some of that. And then serving the women, and it was just, man, it was just Larry Tingler made this awesome dinner. It smelled good anyway. I didn't get any. It's okay, Larry, thanks. Um, love builds up. It's, it's, it's living a life, it's running a race, it's saying, how can, I, how can I build up my brother and sister in Christ? And using your life in such a way, impacting the world in such a way. And it's living in a way that's concerned with others. It's not just about ourselves. You know, Caleb, my oldest son, he's 15. And uh, he's going to be driving here pretty soon. He keeps reminding me of that. And it's... Um, but Caleb, in relation to the other sons, he's just much bigger right now. He hit that growth spurt, and he's tall. He's almost as tall as I am, and he's, you know, he's working out every day. He's just a big, strong kid. And the fun thing, and I love having boys, but you know, our house is full of a lot of wrestling and you know, teasing going on. But what happens in the middle of that is, as Caleb is wrestling with his younger brothers, he inevitably ends up hurting one of them. Right, Alex? Alex is still limping in this morning. (laughs) Most of the time, it's unintentional. Sometimes, it is intentional. And he's like, get over it. Then I have to kind of bring him down to his level. But that's what it can be like as we run this race. It's it's either you're going to think about ways that you're running so that you don't hurt others. And when it's unintentional and you hurt others, that you're saying, oh, forgive me, that wasn't my heart for, for what took place. Would you please forgive me? Because I want to love you well. Running in such a way means that we surrender those rights. We focus on the, the goal ahead, and that is to love others so that God is glorified. And Paul's saying, listen, I know, I know you're fish upstream on this. 
I know that surrendering and giving up your rights to love others is, is absolutely opposed to everything the world's saying. And so how do you do that practically in a world that's full of corruption? How do you, how do you play this out for those who don't know God, the unbelievers, that you want them to know the love of God? Well, you know what? Paul says in this passage, he's saying, I don't want you to run away from them. I don't want you to stay away from unbelievers. Those unbelievers who are going to the temple, don't avoid them. Your life is meant to have impact in their life. Don't sit there with your spiritual pride and criticize them. How dare they have such a lifestyle? Don't... They walk in darkness. They don't know the things of God. Why do we expect them to live godly lives when they don't know God? I'm always blown away by that. And we stand up here with our spiritual arrogance and like, get your life together. He doesn't want us to avoid the unbeliever. He actually wants us to dive right in with them and love them right where they're at. Remember Jackson's teaching? I thought it was so good. Bloom where you're planted. Bloom where you're planted. And that's what God wants us to do as we're learning to run this race in this community. Bloom where you're planted. Run right where you're at. So you see, God knows right where you're at. And that's why he says in the scriptures, he says, listen, you can, you can have the meat sacrificed out. You can eat that without raising any questions, verse 25, on the ground of conscience. For the earth is the Lord's and everything that is in it. And what he's saying is saying, don't run away from life. We draw on the power of Christ. Yeah, you know what? There's things that maybe they're doing that are a temptation to us. And there's things that we don't want to participate in. But in the power of Christ, we say, I want to be with a a man or a woman that I want to care for. They don't know you yet, Lord. And so help me to figure out a way to love them right where they're at. That's why... He speaks in, in verses 28 about if an unbeliever invites you to dinner and you're disposed to go, eat whatever's set before you without raising question. You know what? If you're an arrogant, prideful Christian, I guarantee you, if you're one who's judgmental on those living their lives in a different way, I guarantee you they're not inviting you over for dinner. So even the, the verse leads me to the, the conclusion that, you know what, that these people who are being invited, invited over for dinner had a life that was very attractive. That they would say, come on over. And man, you should go. And enjoy dinner with them. He speaks about the meat sacrificed idol, saying, you don't have to worry about it, but if they bring it up, and basically I think what, what's happening there is, if they're sitting with you and all of a sudden, look, this is a meat sacrificed to an idol, and you're a Christian, and so they're obviously even wrestling with that in their own mind, about how this all plays out. Then he says, you know what, then don't partake, because they're struggling with how this works, and who God is, and what what it means to have a Christian life. And so they're knowing that this is something that they consider maybe evil. And so don't partake. Use your spiritual freedom to have the liberty to love. 
and care about them. Basically what he says is live right where you're at, loving those who are broken and need of the life of Christ. Empowered by Christ, going forth as sheep in the midst of wolves, Matthew 10:16. And the rule of thumb in all of this is that in all you do, do to the glory of God. In all you do, live it out with a desire to surrender our rights, our freedoms, so that we might love well. Because love lifts up. And in every action that we're taking, we're going, how am I edifying? How am I building up? How am I loving? And God, I do it all for you. I thank you, God, for this provision of this meat that you've provided. It's being thankful. I thank you, God, for this relationship. And God, now empower me with your love to love others. Let's pray. Father, this video again just reminded me of your amazing love for us. Reminded me of how you journey with us and that you, you desire for us to run this race well. You don't just leave us out there on our own. And Father, um, even when we pull a hamstring, that you, you come by our side and help us to keep running. And what, Father, we want to, as a body of Christ, we want to live in such a way. Help us, Lord, to run this race. And Father, with our lives, please, use our lives and live through us. We want you to be glorified in everything that we do. And I pray, Lord, that we will love each other well. Thank you for loving us well. And thank you that we are your beloved. In your precious name, amen.